Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. All right. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach and the creator of the Dream Business Academy, founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, Dream Business Radio, Dream Business Everything. I think you're seeing a theme here. We are broadcasting very uh, remotely in a it's a really hid, hidden away part of North Carolina. And if you saw my post on Facebook, I was just telling my guest, Jeff, I have two boat poles fully extended, duct taped together with an antenna <laughs> trying to get a cell tower. And obviously it works. So call me Tim the Toolman Taylor today. <laughs> anyway, welcome to a special live edition of Dream Business Radio. This is episode 447, which means I've been bringing you great guests, great content, and great information to help you build your dream business for almost nine years. Sometimes people will ask me, what's the what's one of the secrets to good marketing or biz, building a business? And while there are many, one of them is a word called consistency. So take that. My special guest is Jeff Deckman. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing excellent, Jim. Very I'm, good. Uh, I'm not in a boat down south. Uh, I'm in a dwelling in Rhode Island, but it's getting warm. We're, we're, well, you've been on my boat, and um, we'll, we'll talk about that later. So anyway, I'll properly introduce you. Jeff is a nationally recognized thought leader and award-winning author on the next evolution of leadership, conscious leadership. Jeff has bootstrapped two multi-million dollar companies, several nonprofits, multiple uh, political organizations, which is kind of cool. And all that to me says, man, they all involve leadership when it comes to business. Jeff is the real deal. He's also a stage four cancer survivor. We have that in common, although I was stage two, so, but we're cancer survivors, so we have that in common. That's the club nobody wants to belong to. <laughs> we're both members of that. And in full disclosure, Jeff is also a member of my Dream Business Mastermind, and he is at the uh, Diamond Level Coaching Program with moi. So Jeff, welcome to Dream Business Radio. Thank you for taking the time. You are cooking, man. I mean, I, we had to find some time for you to get on this this Tuesday. You're killing it. I am absolutely killing it, and uh, I'll tell you, I, I have to throw a lot of sunshine in your direction because when you and I first started working, I've never worked with a coach before. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for over 40 years, <clears throat> and uh, you know I'm a self-made person, and uh, you forget that anybody even can help you. So I was slow to come into your program, but once I did, I was even a little bit slow to pick up on what you were saying. And uh, it took a couple months, but I'll, I'll tell you, as we've been working together, I, I couldn't imagine what it is that's happening with my uh, coaching program and the mastermind that I'm about to put together. It's, it's that's really amazing. Fun. And I want to talk about your mastermind a little later. You know, so if my memory is correct, literally I, about three years ago, maybe longer, I invited you on Dream Business Radio. I think you had another book that came out at the time and you and I had a great camaraderie and I said, hey, I, that was a summer that I was going to be in Rhode Island visiting the grandkids on our boat. And um, I said, I'm doing a live uh, mastermind dream. But would you like to come over and participate? You said, sure. I mean, don't think about it. Sure. That was a really, really good day. And um, I think it was about a year later is when you, you sent me an email say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about coaching. So 
that was kind of our our evolution well you know i'm somebody who i kick everybody's tires mm -hmm. uh you know, being a leadership consultant, I've, I've become pretty intuitive on who's the real deal and who is something less than. And I remember when I set in, to, in on your uh, mastermind there at that restaurant right there on the water in Warwick. Uh, and, you know, I've been an innovator my, my whole career. So I know innovators when I see them. And these people were rolling out uh, situations that they had. And the answers that you were coming up with and the ideas and the angles were were really impressive. So I, I looked right there and I said, you know, I, I know this guy knows what he's talking about and he can help me because we're like-minded thinkers. It was just me getting to the point to where I, I realized that I needed some help. Uh, it was interesting. And I remember you said some nice words. I don't remember if you said right at the beginning, but you said, Jim, because it was the first time we met, you said, I've been in a lot of high level masterminds. So I've, I've got some high expectations and I'm like, okay, well, let's see where this goes. right? Cause you never, I don't know if you said that right off the bat or whether you said at the end of the day, but it stuck with me. Yeah. Well, you know, you were probably looking and thinking what kind of jerk do I have sitting in front of me? <laughs> All right. I better, I better bring out the, uh, the big guns here to impress Jeffrey. Anyway. So the people who listen to this podcast again, in it's ninth year, a lot of them will tell me, I love the topics and the, kind of the high two and strategies, but I also love the stories. I think this show, um, amongst a lot of things that it, it accomplishes, it I believe it inspires people. So I want to dig into your backstory just a little bit, Jeff. You've been, if I'm not mistaken, self-employed either your whole life or like 20 or 30 years. Is that right? I started my first business when I was 25 years old. I'm 64 now. Okay. So long time. Yep. Long time. My first one I built... Uh, for seven years, got it to four and a half million with offices in four states and it crashed. So I had a I had a corporate bankruptcy under my belt and I started another company on the other side of that with $17,000 and a lot of IRS debt. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I ended up selling it. It was in the technology space. We built large scale computer networks and I sold it to my management team a week before its 21st birthday. That was 2005 and it's still going with the same owners and a lot of the same employees. So it's a heck of a legacy business. And I, I learned so much from that crash that it helped me to avoid another one. Wow. So I'm not the only one who started a business heavily in debt. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think it's the two of us either. So it's really interesting. You know, I don't think I ever knew what the second business was because um, another member of the Dream Business Mastermind, Sean Mulligan, is in like data centers. He's in data center construction. Mm -hmm. So very, very similar field. Um, yeah. And then you've also done, I know, a lot of political work and, and nonprofit work. And what's interesting to me, and I'd love you to kind of fill in the... <clears throat> Uh, pieces here, it all boils down to leadership. Were you always in the leadership positions of these? Because they're very different niches. You know, I, uh, I wasn't. What happened was I started at the bottom of each and every one of them. And just being who I was and showing up and having an interest, etc. Uh, you know, sometimes we we are, we're the worst. Sometimes we don't know the talent we have. Yes. So you just go about, you think it's normal. And what I saw was like things were parting and people were asking me to get involved at different, different, different levels. Uh, so I ended up working up into leadership positions. And, uh, you know, when I first left my company, when I sold it, I was starting to become a business consultant, but more people knew me from the political world than the business world. And uh, so I made my living as a political strategist for two years. 
Uh, and then I helped run a lot of campaigns. I was a pro bono business lobbyist for 10 years at the Rhode Island State House, which teaches you how to deal with manipulators, liars, thieves, and thugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> Uh, but a really cool project that I was involved in was I was recruited by a, uh, an, uh, uh, somebody from the governor's office in Rhode Island to take over a struggling industry cluster, which is like a, it was a nonprofit, it's like an industry association. But our goal was to pull together uh, government, higher education, and business leaders to develop uh, entrepreneurship, economic development, uh, initiatives and workforce development initiatives for the IT sector. So I spent five years as the chairman of the board of that, building these massive collaborations with presidents of, of universities and CEOs and, and political leaders. And I learned a tremendous about, amount about how to lead from within because they mm. all were greatly accomplished, really intelligent men and women. And uh, they were all used to to being the leader. So how do you collaborate and how do you lead from within? Uh, so that taught me a lot about how to get my ego out of the way and just focus on what is the most effective role for me to play. On, uh, you know, at the, at the head of the pack, in the middle of the pack, letting the pack go on its own, et cetera. So after five years of that, that was, that was phenomenal training. Is uh, ego really, ego really plays a part in leadership. Sometimes for the good and a lot of times for the bad, right? Yeah, I have a uh, I have a pretty extensive leadership development program. I call it the Greater No Principles of Conscious Leadership, and it stands for you know what you know, they know what they know, and together you have a greater no. And there's there's eight principles to it, and uh, you know the first one is that there is this greater no. You know there's a collective genius. Every time you pull a group together, you have a living, breathing, talking, learning library in front of you, and your job as a leader is to to maximize that. And as I was starting to write about that, I thought, well, if that always exists, why isn't it evident? And what I realized was egos. It's either egos from people wanting to take control or the type of ego that is afraid to look bad so it doesn't want to speak. So egos, both sides of that ego coin, either the, the really uh, bombastic one or the, the Eeyore, you know, the victim one, both mm -hmm. of us get in the way of that collective genius coming out. So I do a lot of work on helping people to acknowledge that and uh, and to recognize when it's working for them and against them. Interesting. When when was your gosh, there's so many things I want to ask you, but I'm, I got to be conscious of time. You said something a little while ago. I want to go back and make sure the listeners heard it. You said we often don't know the value that we bring or the value that we have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that, you know, one of the things I teach is is uh, price elasticity. And you you price things according to the value that you bring to the marketplace, not how easy it is for you to do it, because each each thing that we have the the gift or skill that we're blessed with. It's easy to us, right? Because that's our gift. And mm -hmm. but the things we do have real value outside people who know how to do what we do. That's why we hire plumbers. If you don't know the first damn thing about plumbing, you call a plumber or a heater when it's it's cold in the winter, right? And it's interesting. I don't want to get on that rabbit hole, but so I, I love when these little these little value bombs fly by. What when did you realize, Jeff, your fascination with leadership in general? And then and then when did the whole um, conscious leadership piece start to come to fruition? So I started seeing my passion in leadership probably around 2003. Uh, I had been in the uh, in that industry nonprofit for about two and a half years at that point, and I I got a chance to sit with governors and senators and you know all those types of folks. 
So I was really understanding the importance of leadership, you know, how it can lead, lead you to a good place or a really bad place. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after a couple of years, I, I decided to leave my company specifically to go in to do more of that. So it was probably around 2003, but 2005 before I actually moved on it. The conscious leadership part came to me not not much later after that. Uh, I had gone through quite a few things that caused me to look at myself very deeply, one of which was a divorce. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, and when you crash a company, you look at that. And I also had some other relationships in my business that weren't going the way I wanted them to. And instead of blaming everybody else, I decided to look at myself. So. Uh, I, I ultimately spent uh, 12 years uh, with a, uh, I'll call him a spiritual coach because I can't think of anything else, but really went into a deep spiritual path. But he was an interesting guy because he was a, uh, he was a fighter pilot who became a flight instructor. So uh, his way of delivering leadership and coaching stuff was really, you know, hard mm. on point. So I could see the value in that, but also I knew that there was a whole there were the generations today are demanding a different type of leadership other than command and control top down. Right. That's an industrial age model that that doesn't work anymore. And they want a level of leadership that's much more conscious. That is more about authenticity, uh, integrity and respect. I call that leading with air, authenticity, integrity and respect. And also instead of command and control, it's about being a leader who focuses on communication, collaboration and facilitation. And that's a whole different mindset. And what? And I've run up against a lot of people. We've all been trained the old way. Uh, and we know that the new way isn't working that well because we only have three out of every 10 workers uh, are engaged. But the challenge is what's the new way? So I've spent 10 years <laughs> working on uh, writing the book and, and putting together my processes and procedures to help people go from that kind of industrial age over to this other way. That is not about woo-woo. We can't hug our way through business. But That's right. I call it conscious leadership in action. And mm. it's about seeing the human in the human, maximizing human capital, uh, hitting your business metrics, but always keeping that human part in it because money doesn't make money. Humans do. Right. Inside of it, right, you'll get the money part. You know, what's interesting is um – the, the stuff that you went through, the divorce, crashing the business and being all the political, all the stuff that, that you went on, that you experienced, as I, you know, I'm 62, almost 63. So I look back, I'm starting to point where I look at my life and even more so since uh, David Phelps book, one of the big turning points for him or decision points he has is legacy. And I'm starting to go to that mindset now see where you start looking backwards a little bit. And it's interesting to me, Jeff, and I, I think this is why you're you're so good at your at your consulting gigs is the, the, the coaches and the consultants that I believe bring the most value have gone through crap. And we'll just call mm -hmm. it like that, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's one of my pet peeves when you got a 21-year-old life coach or, or you got a you got a business coach who's going to teach you how to have a six or seven-figure business and they haven't earned $50,000 in a year themselves. So the people who really bring it to the bring their a game have really gone through stuff other it's like your like the flight uh, instructor who was a fighter pilot who right. else would you rather learn from right right and you know my my whole book there is not a single platitude in that that mm -hmm. book is that the, the book is filled with uh every mistake i made and the uh, the way i resolved it and i think everybody can relate to all the uh, all the different aspects because you know the first i say in the book the first step 
on the path to leadership is an inward one. And so are all the rest, right? And what I mean by that is if I can't lead and manage myself and be honest with myself and have discipline, no one is going to follow me. I can force them to follow my directions, but they will never willingly follow my direction. And that's most important as a leader. When you have people who are willingly showing up and going in the or rowing in the same direction you're going, now you've really got something uh, because it becomes sustainable and legacy. Mm. Talk about legacy. Legacy is so important now. We need to help everyone understand how to lead, especially in today's world. There's a lot of wild stuff going on out there. A lot yes. of crazy. And we're really being pressured to make up our own minds, to make our own decisions, to vet through information clearly. And, uh, you know, that's leadership. And everybody's a leader. Whether you have a position of authority or power somewhere, you're, you're a leader somewhere. You either have kids or, uh, you know, kids that are yours or kids that are on a team or somebody in your family looking to you for stability. Yeah. You know, I'm, I've been a big John Maxwell fan most of my uh, adult career. And he said something interesting. First of all, he said um, leadership is influence. If you influence anybody, he even said your kids or anybody, then you're a leader. So people sometimes don't think of themselves as a leader. But what was interesting to me and, you know, my library started back when I was like 21. I started writing all these books and he made an observation, um, Jeff. I'd be curious. I bet you got a gigantic library yourself. He said 20 years ago. The bookstores were full of books on management, and now they're full of books on leadership because there's a that's a there's a huge difference in the two. A huge difference, and uh, what's starting to happen is they're starting to be more not just about traditional leadership, but they're starting to be about you hear it called conscious leadership, mm-hmm. steward stewardship. Uh, one gentleman I know is doing stuff around uh, intention-based leadership. And it's getting away from the mechanics and the metrics in the management. I mean, it's still keeping part of that, but it's it's putting an overlay on front of that. And it's actually an international movement. I'm involved with two groups. Uh, one in particular is the Conscious Enterprises Network. And uh, <clears throat> I'm partnering with a couple of people uh, from Great Britain, Spain, and Russia. And they've developed this organization where uh, companies and individuals from all over the world are coming into this site to try to learn what are the new conscious ways. And what I was fascinated with is, you know, my book won a couple of national awards, but it won two international awards. And nobody mm. nobody knows who I am, nor should they, right, at that level. Yeah. But, but uh, what really impressed me about winning on, on an international level was the fact that this theme is so prevalent to human beings that it doesn't matter the culture, the language, the color, the gender, whatever. Uh, and that tells me it's something really powerful. So, uh, and there's more and more people looking for it. So it's a really exciting time to be in a leadership business. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was excited for it. That was like a month ago or somewhere you, you told me about that international group and you're like, like a board member of it now. And I, what was interesting to me is I thinking about that later, Jeff, is that, you know, different countries, like say different cultures, people are brought up differently, different economies in many ways and different value systems. But what you were telling me is most of these um, leaders from the countries, yourself included, was like the, the, the thirst for real authentic leadership crossed continents, right? across continents and everyone is pointing at the same people as or the same institutions as the ones that are opposed to it so you hear them talk about the media 
you hear them talking about uh, uh, the, the, the political and the government. Uh, and they're just looking, saying, you know what, these institutions are coming in during this time of crisis and flexing their muscle, whether they're doing it for good reasons or bad reasons, that's for someone else to decide. But what's happening is it's really forcing people to either follow their lead or to think more for themselves. You might still go in their direction, right? it's really forcing people to look at things uh, very differently. So it's fascinating to hear the conversations, what's happening on a government level and a media level in Great Britain or in Spain or in Sweden and to see the patterns. Uh, and it really just, it, it's, it sends the message that we're all in this together. Jeff, what do you think the biggest impediment is to someone becoming a trusted leader, right? Because as you said, if you've got influence, you're a leader by definition, but how do you become a trusted leader? by earning it you have to you have to earn it and in my opinion you have to earn it and you have to function in a way with a level of consciousness that people will look and say i trust you i believe you uh and i think you care about me and you can't fake that you know Mm -hmm. you can say those words but people are really intelligent and we're finely tuned social animals we pick up on things and we can pick up in authenticity. So if you're going out and just trying to spew that out and there's no authenticity, what they'll do is they'll pick up on it and they won't tell you because you started lying to them first. So now they lie back to you saying, I believe you. Mm-hmm. But if you, people follow people today, not because they're a position of power, but because of their level of consciousness. Is this right. someone that I would consider like a tribal elder? And, and they follow that. So you have to get really real with yourself. And that's why I did all that work on myself and still do uh, to make sure that my ego doesn't take over and where it does, I, I work on it. And uh, but I'm just I lead with air, authenticity, integrity and respect. And when I get out of any of those, I just pull myself back in it. I admit to people my mistakes uh, and people really relate to that. So so they'll follow that. And it may think some people may think wait that's really dangerous because you're getting off your pedestal to mingle with the group and now why would they ever follow you but the reality that right right there is the different mindset of a real leader right when you somebody thinks well i'm getting off my pedestal to mingle with the you know with the you know whatever the people at the bottom that's not leadership no and you know the unfortunate thing is 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 that's what we've been taught because the the leadership books of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s was all about, look at me, I have accomplished superhuman things. And I remember throwing a book away from Lee Iacocco because I thought, you know what, all the things that he did and he was able to do, that's because he was he was getting government money and he had all these resources. You know, I'm a small entrepreneur. I don't have any resources. So, you know, yeah, don't, yeah. don't tell me that I need to build a boat. Give me a blueprint on how I can build a boat. And that's everything that I'm devoted to is I give people blueprints based on the tools they have and the environment they're in that they can build the best boat they can for themselves. You know, Sam Walton said, uh, I learn more from when I visit the truck drivers and the floor sweepers <laughs> than I ever do my executive suite. Well, that was yeah. that was decades ago. He said that. So and, and, they're, so and they're more fun, too. Yeah. So <laughs> you said authenticity, integrity and respect. What do you mean by authenticity? Authenticity is me being real with me about who I am, what I like, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, and accepting it and mm-hmm. saying, look, you know what, I, 
I am what I am because this one is like that. That's a Rumi quote. I am what I am because this one is like that. And I will be that with as much grace as I can muster. So I am what I am, but I'm working on myself. Integrity is about taking that authenticity and being that in the world, uh, being of good character. Uh, you know, uh, if, if, you, if you make a promise, keep it. Uh, treat people properly. Be honest whether people are looking at you or not. And the third part about respect actually has three pieces to it. Uh, you have to respect yourself. That goes back to your authenticity and integrity. You mm -hmm. also have to respect the other person that you're, you're interacting with, whether you agree with them or not. We have to see the human in the human, and we have to realize that they have reasons for where they're at. And the third part is you have to respect the organization that's paying you or the mission you're working on. And if you're in tricky situations that might require you to make some decisions, you're not quite sure what's ethical, what isn't, what's right, what's wrong. They're really weird things. Uh, for me, I go back and I say, wait, what do I have to do to be authentic? What do I have to do to be uh, in integrity? And what do I have to do to respect myself, my boundaries, them, and the organization? It sounds like a lot to go through, but after a while, it's second nature. And if you're doing anything off, that'll, that'll self-regulate. You'll pick up. It's a great tool. So, yeah. So we got about six minutes left. I want to touch on uh, the mastermind group that you're putting together. I think that's fascinating, but I want to squeeze another. Let me squeeze in a very small softball question. What part of <laughs> how has social media impacted? I mean, I don't want to go down the political thing too much, but, you know, you think there's this whole woke community. Mm -hmm. And if somebody says something that's even slightly off, it's like broadcast around the world, sometimes amplified. and It becomes even like the fish story where the fish actually becomes this big <laughs> instead of this big. And I think that's when leaders and you see the heads of these corporations, they just it's almost like they're operating in fear. Right. And so I, I, in my own humble opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they're making these decisions based on authenticity, integrity, and respect for their customers. I, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so much of that is just driven by the bottom line. And, you know, that's so much of what the industrial age capitalism was all about, was strictly single bottom line money. Yes. Uh, in early 2000, you started hearing about the triple bottom line, you know, money, people and environment. And now there's a seven bottom line. But yeah, that's that's just representative of the uh, of an old way of thinking that 50 years from now will be rinsed out. We're literally in a new age of humanity going on right now. Consciousness is expanding. Technology is allowing us to connect and communicate better. And, you know, that's a double edged sword. Uh, you know, sometimes the people that have have the mics are the last people that should have the mic because they're victims, they're complainers, and they dominate the airwaves. And, uh, you know, it's it creates a toxic environment that you can choose to be in or choose to get out of. Right. So, um, you know, I'm a fan of multiple streams of revenue. And, you know, you're doing very well as a speaker. You're doing consulting internationally. And one of the things you and I started working on together is um, creating your own mastermind, right? So, How's I'd be curious how how that I mean I know how it's going but share that with others because other people that may be thinking about what else can I be doing to still use it, my zone of genius so to speak right so what I'm doing is I'm creating a, the theme of all of my work falls under conscious leadership and action because I want people to know it's a different level of thinking but it also is applicable in the real world. So I am uh, designing a, uh, a conscious leadership in action mastermind and conscious leadership in action coaching program. And as you can imagine, they, they dance with one another, right? Right. Uh, and what's happening is as I, I 
in order to present that, I took one of your ideas and I did the month-long uh, Tactical Tuesdays in February where every Tuesday for an hour, I would show up with a, a teaching component around conscious uh, uh, leadership and action. And I, I got the biggest results I'd ever gotten and I got the most amount of return. People went through all, all four of them. So I started putting together a mastermind around that. And what's happening are I'm getting some people to sign up for that. But one of the people that were really interested in it, it ended up in a conversation where they want to do an internal mastermind to get their whole management team involved in this process. Very cool. Really exciting. I mean, you want to transform an organization. You get it. And there's 10 of them. So that's going to be so much fun. So, Jeff, for the people thinking, oh, that's interesting. I could I could come on and do a, a webinar. I mean, I'm sure you just flipped a switch and turned that on and did four weeks of training. That was a that was an incredible buttload of work that you did to prepare for that, to teach it, to follow up. I mean, that was huge. But you you had one of the things I, I really admired. You had a, an audience in the palm of your hand four weeks in a row. Everybody showed up because uh, no. of the because of the value you delivered. Yeah, uh, no one was more surprised about that than I was. I was hoping to get maybe seven or eight people, and I had mm -hmm. I had twenty five, and I don't think I had less than twenty through the whole thing. And uh, so many people came in and uh, caught every one of them. Those that didn't, they would request because I recorded them and I'd send them back out to yep. them. I really found a community that swarmed into that, which was also really good market validation. It told me that what I was talking about resonated. Mm -hmm. And I did have some of the content already developed, but I had to go back into other presentations and pull them out and customize them all. But, And what a great practice for me to help me learn how to better articulate what it is that I'm, I'm selling. Because selling thinking is a hard thing. Yeah. And because, you know, um, the people that are following you and listening to you, they're not, you know, your average starter entrepreneur. They're they're in the C-suite, CEOs and, and high level vice presidents. And so one of just I just want to make sure the folks caught this. One of the people that were in your high level mastermind who's interest or excuse me, the, the Tactical Tuesdays said, I'm interested in the mastermind. And when you're in a conversation, he said, well, why don't we create a mastermind within my company that you run? So, I mean, it's just amazing, man, you are blossoming. It's so fun to watch, Jeff. I'm, I'm really thrilled for you. Well, you know, I, uh, we talked last December and I told you I had to fire my last client. I mean, I got COVID hit me really hard. So I just took that time to create and invent and all that kind of stuff. And then it just got to a point where something happened. I had to fire my last client and I, and I sat in a revenue free zone for over two yeah. months just going, what kind of an idiot am I? But I believed in it and I kept working on it. And uh, I'll tell you what's happened in the last five, six weeks has been phenomenal, phenomenal. I mean, I, I landed three substantial clients all over the country. Uh, I got coaching clients coming in like crazy and I've got this mastermind program that's really getting exciting and very cool I, I, I couldn't have done it without your guidance and direction and patience and flexibility uh, you've been awesome so I, wanna, I, I really appreciate that I enjoy working with you so if anybody's on the fence about the dream business mastermind your advice is get off uh, <laughs> yeah, get off do it uh, expect to flounder and flutter a little bit but that's that's not Jim that's you and when you catch up to Jim you'll you'll catch the wave uh, and if you have any questions email me at jeffrey at jeffreydeckman.com i'll be happy to talk to you about my experience with jim so jeffrey deckman j-e-f-f-r-e-y deckman d-e-c-k-m-a-n.com that's where the, that's how they can connect with you and get your book i'm sure is at amazon probably on your website too 
Yep, it's on Amazon. Let me promote it here. I think you can see it. Uh, yeah, it's what a ride that has been. Very good. Jeff, thanks so much, man. This was a fun half hour. Yeah, it was. It flew by. Thanks, Jim. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Jeffrey Deckman, who is literally on fire. <laughs> connect with him at Jeff Deck JeffreyDeckman.com. I call him Jeff. JeffreyDeckman.com. You can connect with me at GetJimPalmer.com, www.GetJimPalmer.com. Uh, if you're interested in the Dream Business Mastermind, and you should be, it's at DreamBizCoaching, DreamBizCoaching.com. But until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, still on the airwaves, thanks to duct tape and boat poles. <laughs> you have a great day. Take care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.